welcome back to BBC Indiana. Today, we continue our series in the history of podcasts. The following was found on a cassette tape discovered by workers cleaning up the Chernobyl exclusion zone in 2014. Upon analysis by experts, it was determined to be a rare piece of Samizdat, a subversive dissident recording that we suspect may be the first ever podcast. And it's not just any podcast. It appears to be anti-Soviet, anti-communist, and almost parodically pro-capitalist. Hello, and welcome to The Invisible Fist, the Soviet Union's only hardline capitalist McCarthyite podcast distributed exclusively on cassette tape. We are not to be confused with Friedman's Bussy, the Soviet Union's neo-Nixonite so-called capitalist podcast distributed on reel-to-reel tape, which is produced by crypto-communist traitors to the capitalist revolution. I am your host, at Adam Smith's GF, and I am joined as ever by my co-host, at ReaganThought69. Welcome to my bedroom. Hello. We begin our episode today, the 15th of September 1983, as we do every week, by denouncing crypto-communist elements working against the glorious capitalist revolution here in the Soviet Union. It has come to our attention that the host of the neo-Nixonite podcast Friedman's Bussy at Deep Throat Truther 420 is the son of a man who worked in a state-run factory. He calls himself a capitalist, and yet he's the son of a father who works in a state-run industry? He even attended a school provided by the state. How can a man in the pocket of big socialism call himself a capitalist? Before any of our six listeners write me yet more postcards, I am aware that my father is also working in a state-run factory. The difference is, I denounce my father. I will shout to him in the living room right now, Father, I denounce you! When glorious capitalist revolution occurs, all communists will be shot by our entrepreneurs who are able to leave the house. No, I agree. But quite frankly, we're personally too busy watching the extremely important anime series, King of the Hill, about entrepreneurs in the capitalist utopia of Texas. We also denounce rampant communist aggression of the Soviet invasion of the glorious nation of Afghanistan. This is something which our Western capitalist entrepreneurs would never do. To those of you who ask about so-called Western colonialism, this is filthy communist propaganda. When the revolution comes, all Red Army soldiers will be executed by someone presumably, but not by me specifically. You know, I've actually been thinking, when we consider the glorious capitalist future for the Soviet Union, I think we have to get beyond the usual concerns about how entirely privatized sewer or electricity networks would function. I feel like the entire concept of communal sewers and electricity generation is in its own way proto-socialist, And as such, I just feel it needs to be destroyed. Every household will build their own small sewer and power station to ensure maximum freedom. Yes, anyone clinging to communist shibboleths such as communal sewers, electricity, educational healthcare is a counter-revolutionary. In fact, anyone who has been to school or a hospital may as well have guarded a gulag themselves. Come the revolution, these people will also be shot as Pol Pot sympathizers. Many people call us crazy when we dream of a future in Russia where there are no public services at all and the entire infrastructure of the state has more or less collapsed except for the police. But you'll see. You'll all see. Hello and welcome back to... Your free TF for this week. Uh, it is 
a, a classic configuration we haven't seen in a little while. Uh, it's myself, Alice, and Milo. Mm. How you doing? The chaos, chaos configuration. configuration. Fun. Hey. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Time to say uh. some libel and slurs. <laughs> yep. uh, it's welcome, welcome to the libel and slurs hour. calling me a beep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How dare these podcasters refer to me by a sound effect? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, how's uh, how's everybody doing? Well, I think I think it's pretty funny that Ghislaine Maxwell died in prison after exposing just about buzz, everybody buzz, as buzzing, buzz, 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 buzzinga. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw the rumor that she had mm. coronavirus. Uh, that later turned out to be false, but I'm sure by the time that this has come out again. She'll have like Mr. Magoo through nine different fatal situations. Oh yeah, all, all the Nicholas Tartaglione. Fully. I'm not. I, I, yeah, I, I'm not loving this alternate reality marketing for Hitman Three, but I do respect it. <laughs> oh hell yeah, make it look like an accident. <laughs> also, like, come on, what? If, even if if she if she admits every if she admits everything everything, mm-hmm. yeah, like two or three rich people are going to go to jail. And then yeah, never gonna no no yeah. no no no. But that's what I mean, right? Even if she yeah. admit, even if she admits everything, mm-hmm. if, then mm-hmm. like the least important and least connected ones are gonna experience some consequences. But like I don't know, Bill Clinton's not going anywhere. No, the the consequences that you're going to get are the dumbest and most nervous people in the world, <laughs> just <laughs> incriminating <laughs> themselves further <laughs> on Sorry. Twitter. <laughs> I certainly thought it was a shame when that that nice lady was crushed to death by a piano in prison. I've never, <laughs> I've never met her before in my life, but it, it was a great tragedy for our nation. I mean, I, I mean, Alan Dershowitz just being like, "Yeah, I actually hope there is child pornography, so you can see that I'm not in it." <laughs> there was also moments before we started recording. Ellen Powell, the former CEO of Reddit, uh, just did a tweet that was like, "Yeah, I was at that same party. Um, yeah, everybody knew that she was like trafficking in in, in child sex slaves, but like apparently uh, the cool people who made the list thought that was fine, and then protected mm. her tweets immediately. So rest in power to Ellen." K pal. I'm really hoping that there is there is a guy who's like watching loads of child pornography to check that he hasn't been deep faked into it. Like, <laughs> no, okay. I was only watching that to get directions on how to get away from that. <laughs> exactly. Also, like my, my favorite thing about the Alan Dershowitz thing is like is it in, the more I see of Alan Dershowitz's like unfiltered opinions in public, the more I think he actually has no familiarity with the law at all. Oh yeah. Like, He's very close to doing like the boomer thing where they'll be like, I invoke the Rome statute that does not allow Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> to advertise or sell any of my copyrighted content. He's basically he's a sovereign a pr- citizen. He's, he's just doing like posts on his Facebook professor. wall. If you share this post, they can't arrest you for pedophilia. <laughs> law at Harvard University. And, the, and as we all know, the best lawyers will always give you this advice. Whenever you like whenever any kind of suspicion or aspersions are cast on you, start talking as much as possible <laughs> yeah. to everyone around you. Several conflicting stories. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's 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 a cro- it's the CrossFit principle, but applied to a legal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's doing muscle confusion on the FBI. <laughs> Jury confusion. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, whispering in each juror's ear a completely different story. <laughs> yeah. 
I loved I love to like do United States versus Rashomon and just have each juror be like, well, that's not how I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I love that what we we like immediately before we hit record, we we're all like, "Man, I'm really tired today. This is gonna be a low energy show." Record, Alan Dershowitz, yeah. Alan fucking Dershowitz. Like, does the <laughs> does the defendant have any closing remarks? And you just go up to the foreman of the jury and whisper in his ear, "I killed the Lindbergh baby." Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's it's. Does the defendant have any closing remarks? Then he's like, "If I don't stop talking, the trial can't end." And oh, I the can't filibuster! If, if I simply confess to every crime. That has ever happened. They can't convict me on this one. One man can't be convicted of two crimes on the same day. <laughs> Maybe we're wrong. Maybe he is the best lawyer. Maybe he knows something that we don't, and there is some kind of like air bud kind of thing in the federal criminal law where you absolutely just can get away with the most heinous crimes if you're just like yeah no I actually hope that all of the crimes that happen uh, there's actually a ton of incriminating evidence and also uh, like I didn't know anything about it but if I did I would definitely not say anything about it but I don't so I do (laughs) If I did it by Alan Dershowitz (laughs) <laughs> well, hey, it's one of one of OJ's defense lawyers, you know. So I, maybe he's got something up his sleeve. But all I can say is, you know, um, not this is. I mean, it, it certainly is quite a bit of theater, and you know, it's nice to hope that like any of the people involved will face any kind of consequences. But at at this point, I just I don't see how like I don't see Bill Clinton doing a uh, no, sorry. The only president I could see making Bill Clinton do a perp walk is Donald Trump. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That's the only way to which the deep state thing is correct. And of course, we know Donald Trump is as deep into the Epstein thing as, well, Bill Clinton or Kevin Spacey. So, it's not going to happen. Anyway, speaking of first segments, let's get on to our first segment, shall we? Uh, Which which is that uh, Keir Starmer, leader of the Labour Party. Now, I know. The Labour Party's a busted flush. We don't really... You might have noticed we don't really talk about it a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, it's this, dumb. It's yeah. boring. I don't want to do it. I'm old, uh, yeah, I, I'm not talking... And, like, they're not a serious... They have, they have fought tooth and nail to avoid being a serious organization. And uh, this is a, a consequence of that, uh, which is now just something that I think is very funny. Yeah, the uh, adults is, are now back in charge, right, Lee? The adults yeah. who make sure that nothing ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've made sure that nothing's going to happen in a new, interesting, and funny way, which is that Keir Starmer has told uh, a caller on LBC who, like, called in to yell at him for, you know, I think quite rightly to yell at him for him saying, like, oh, Black Lives Matter is just a moment, and, you know, I don't agree with any of their political stuff, and I'll never back any of it. Uh, someone called in and was like, yo, that's kind of fucked up, because he has a call-in show on LBC. Uh, and now he's agreed to undergo unconscious, like corporate unconscious bias training in the wake rules. of his comments. He's listening, so hard. he's listening to White Fragility on two different playback speeds while he goes on his morning jogs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love to like listen to uh, White Fragility and why I'm no longer talking to white people about race on two separate earphones while I sleep to give myself the Beethoven effect and become not racist when I wake yeah, become, up. Become genius level not racist. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing, right? Like, yes, the the Labour Party is pretty racist, and quite a bit of that is say, I don't know, uh, who was it that? What party was it that invaded Iraq? Mm-hmm. What party was it? Who and who was in charge of the 24 hour courts in the London riots? Remind me who that was. Who was DPP when that was happening? Listen, in listen, Keir Starmer has only one response to that, and it's simply. Oh, cool. 
<laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, right? It's it's so funny to me that like after dis- after basically being yeah dismissive of Black Lives Matter and all this stuff, uh, and after like dismissing all of the um, defending his party against charges of deep and virulent anti-black racism, he's undergoing unconscious bias training. Hmm. It's conscious. It's conscious bias. Yeah, but he's gonna stop doing the kind of like reflex actions of racism where you accidentally sleepwalk in front of a camera and you say, "Oh, I wouldn't have any truck with defunding the police," and then you just sort of sleepwalk back off again. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, damn it! I accidentally said something I think that was unpopular. I now need mm. to like what do a training, fill in a form, or tick a box so that people think that that wasn't me. So I they gave the police unconscious bias training, so they were more aware of the socioeconomic background behind why they're tasing someone. <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is you joke, but this is why the, he is so forensic, right? Is that like he has. Uh, figured out that he is in trouble, and as such, has done the most prosecutorial thing for getting someone off the hook, diverting them into a course that sounds like it's gonna do something. You're gonna do, like, a mandatory racism awareness course. Yeah, it's like, hmm. well, it, how, and the th- it's, just, it's so obvious that that is going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious to everyone. Everybody. I I look forward. I look forward so much to in two weeks' time, newly minted, not racist Keir Starmer coming out wearing a kento cloth and saying, "No, I still don't think we should defund the police." Yeah. No. Yeah. I think the so, police should be woke now. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. What if um, we replaced the the Met Police's custodian helmets with kento cloths? What if that? Just, yeah. Just more yeah. of that. Yeah. It's just just completely a, a completely unserious. Uh, short-termist, because that's what centrism is, really. It's just reflexive short-termism with, like, friendly PR. Mm. Yeah, yeah. so he, he says, I think everybody should have unconscious bias training, and I think that is important. There's always the risk of unconscious bias and just saying, oh, well, it only applies to other people and not me, uh, <laughs> is not the right thing to do. I'm going to leave from the front on this and do the training myself. Oh, so, yeah, Jesus. I don't know. So, so yeah, again. Well, what just- if we solved racism by doing a corporate away day? We yeah. have this barrel and this length of rope, and we have to like <laughs> convey the, the racism from one side of the cavern to the other. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's like the the, all, the the whole labor front bench is going to play like the cereal box game, and then they're going to understand why, like you know, abstaining on uh, on the welfare bill in 2015, or like for the older yeah. um, among them, going to war in Iraq in 2003 was bad. Mm. They're going paintballing, but it's a session where they all have to black up, and all the guys who run the paintball <laughs> place uh, have the guns, and they just have to run away while the guys who run the paintball place shoot them. Is that oh, the God. is that the it kind is, of awareness training they're doing? It is, it, is just, it is it is just so insultingly paltry because again, it's because if you are going, I, I'm so into the fact that twelve minutes into the chaos configuration, we have been presented with paintball, but it does blackface, Dutch paintball I mean, as they call it. Yeah, it's just it's it's it is it is a group of it, this is what happens when PR takes over. And oh, just man. everything becomes PR. I I hate when I'm just having a, a like perfectly this. innocent paintballing game, <laughs> and then uh, all of my friends shoot me perfectly in the face uh, with black paintballs, with black and paintball. then I immediately have to go on an interview with BBC News. It's I sad. hate when that happens. Yeah, looking lo- looking like Yosemite Sam after an unsuccessful <laughs> attempt to uh, blow up a rabbit hole. 
<laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, I look forward to that having precisely just no institutional change on the party at all. Uh, I think I look forward to that just basically having no effect. I look forward to no policies changing, certainly, especially not the ones that entrench racial inequality. No, it's going to be uh, videos. It's going to be YouTube videos. And that's how we're going to do it. Hmm. And that's going to be all it is. So great. Just no. Keir Starmer showing you his card that says, um, uh, <laughs> looking looking into racism, no entrenched racial inequality. Oh, no, they got this all mixed up. <laughs> I mean, look, the other thing is, the other thing is that this is, this is what they're doing with full, like, as much as anyone accused Corbyn of having, like, this Stalinist level of control of the party and of purging factional enemies, having now done this to a large extent, like, having uh, the Labour Party firmly within the grasp of these adults in the room, right, this is the the change they're capable of affecting, is making the Labour Party watch a video about how <laughs> racism is bad. And I, I, I'm I so looking forward- watched one about periods instead. Yeah, exactly. You may notice some changes in your body. Um, <laughs> Perfectly normal and natural. Sorry. But the problem is, the, the problem the is, labor, right? The labor like, party splitting into into boys and girls and going to watch different <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. videos. <laughs> the you thing may is, find though, that your penis grows larger. The thing is, though, right? Having <laughs> having done all of these factional purges, uh, we're still going to find that, like, uh, what remains of the left in the Labour Party is going to be held accountable for this in the long run. It will have been. The the tracer Rebecca Long Bailey will have snuck in and changed the VHS tape from how not to be racist into changes you may notice about your body. <laughs> Curses. Yeah. yeah uh, so just fucking just a deeply unserious group of people continuing to be unserious. Yep. Um, I don't know who this is designed to appeal to. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but the, the same PMC, the PMC psychos they lost to the Lib Dems. George like, Osborne, weirdly, who was like, yeah. man, this guy really wants to be Prime Minister. He's serious about it, which like, I'm sure he said with a completely straight face. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, he watched a whole video. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he left a comment being like, hmm, thought-provoking, with like a boomer mm -hmm. amount of full stops. It's great. It's fucking awesome. I, I love government by fucking TED Talk. <laughs> It's, do you know um, Ghislaine Maxwell did one of those, by the way? Oh, she did a TED talk. Oh, yeah, wow. she did a TED that talk. Rocks. The video, the video, no longer exists for reasons get, that are mysterious. How to get to children me. to listen to you? Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, God damn. Yeah, anyway, you, you may you may notice not, changes not in your body with Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, upon which time the president will no longer want to fly with you, and that's okay. It's so wild uh, that the Maxwells are going to be the first family to have both of the father and daughter murdered by agents of the state, like <laughs> thirty years apart. All right, all right. Um. So anyway, I don't want to. I mean, yeah, I don't want to waste too much time talking about the Labour Party. I feel like we already have. But uh, you know, I, I hope your corporate away day goes well, as you again don't take seriously any of the problems you're trying to solve. Yeah, stupid. Um, and if you're on yeah. the left, why? And you're in the Labour Party still? Why are you still paying subs to this? Hello Stop and it. welcome you, to the unconscious bias training. <laughs> what? Okay. We're, we're, we're just going to put on this healing black face. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. Uh, all right. So I want to move on, though, because the Labour Party is a waste of time and we should only ever talk about it to laugh at it, such as we are now. Um, but I, I want to move on something a little more macro, a little, a little higher level, um, because we're beginning, I think, to see the shape of what the world 
after uh, the coronavirus lockdown period, if not the coronavirus mm. itself. Yeah, there is, is there is no life. there is no post coronavirus world, but there is yeah. a post universal lockdown world. Yeah, and uh, I think this this can go into our let's revisit the line series of episodes. Just, our little our little yeah. checks in, just checking in on what yeah. the line what the line is doing. Having uh, been much. totally severed from any kind of like political, financial, uh, sociological implications, it now is just like this weird toy that like affects that one guy's baseball caps, so that he can put on the <laughs> Dow ten thousand, Dow twenty thousand. Yeah, it's it's all just Groundhog Day, but for that guy with the Dow hats. Oh yeah, um, I can't wait for Dow sixty nine. Yeah, so this is Dow, our. That's what I call music. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, well, so basically, this is another station in our line go stop uh, series where we look at the morbid symptoms that occur when the unstoppable force of an economic system requiring continuous growth without limit at any cost butts up against the immovable object of the economy can no longer grow without wait, killing everybody. Wait, 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 wait. Sunday, 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 Sunday. <laughs> You're telling me that the tendency of the rate of profit is to fall? What <laughs> the what? fuck? I have no. premised my entire economy on that being the opposite of true, and now you tell me that the tendency of the rate of profit is to go down? Frantically googling what the opposite of true is. <laughs> me, me, me finishing the spinning Jenny. Ah, well, this won't have any long-term effects. <laughs> yeah, I, I love to have, like, a steam loom that gets a bit out of hand, and 200 years later, you work for an app that decides to put kente cloth on all the police officers. Yeah. You can do that with regular Jenny. <laughs> Take yeah, you years. Did, I mean, because, like, like the, the actual argument, right, about the tendency of the rate of profit to fall is that, um... Is that you can make profit out of hu out of human labor rather than like um, like capital like capitalized investment uh, because you can it's the human labor that you that you um, extract it's it's the you extract the wealth from the human labor effectively otherwise the, the uh, profit just goes elsewhere in the value chain if it's like no humans are involved so um, it really is like yeah someone like one guy invented the spinning Jenny and now our bosses are apps. Hmm. Essentially, great, perfect. Uh, anyway, that's uh, all of capital. Uh, no, it's, I, that's a gross oversimplification. Look, that, it's it's uh, yeah. it's n it's far more correct than that one. I think literal economics professor who was like uh, tried to debunk Marx with a meme with a SpongeBob meme where he yeah, tried oh, to like take Not on. Us. The labor theory of value, and was like, uh, Marx, idiot, says only labor can create value. And then he points to uh, risk or transfers of wealth or land uh, mm. as things that generate value on their own without you labor. Know, when just left to their own devices. Yeah, I love when I just leave my field fallow. And it just generates money for me. Just naturally yeah. occurring uh, money that grows. I mean, yeah. thanks to Lex Greensill, who yeah. has money farming <laughs> techniques. Uh, you know, uh, you just we, give him the field and it grows we, money. 
we will do a follow-up on Greensill because there's more there. And as a result of our episode on Greensill, a financial journalist now just keeps sending me information about Greensill. Yeah, it's literally like the, the meme that I posted of Baby Yoda as us watching fucking Interpol's financial crimes unit with a sniper <laughs> rifle just taking out uh, <laughs> fucking Marcus Brown. Uh, I, I'm now I'm now drunk on power, right? I think we have we have some listeners in uh, like various financial crimes units who are just like taking notes from us. Hell yeah! That's right. We're not just having to go like, what is a bussy? <laughs> yeah, so, um, so look, uh. The, but I want to talk about, right, is the, this thing, the, the description of the state of the, uh, the results of the crash of the economic system requiring continuous growth without limit at any cost against the immovable object of an economy that if it keeps growing, everyone will die and then there won't be any more growth. Mm. Uh, and The Economist. Mm. Well, I'm not sure about that. What about all the fields? <laughs> yeah, the spontaneous <laughs> money fields. Mm. Uh, yeah, they just have to get supply chain finance. They don't need any labor. Uh, no, so um, look, so the the Economist has called this the ninety percent economy. Uh, now I've got some criticisms of the Economist's uh, point of view, but it's it's an argument that I I I think is at least a good jumping off point. Mm-hmm. So basically, the ninety percent economy, and this is a little bit from the Economist. Uh, they say uh, that data suggests that if Americans choose to avoid person to person proximity of the length of an arm or less. That occupations worth they approximately, <laughs> no. yeah, which is, which is that if they do that, that occupations worth approximately ten percent of national output become unviable. So, and and that include and that's the dick sucking lot- factory uh, yeah, is no fuck. longer possible if my, you have to my keep daddy a one worked at the dick sucking factory and his daddy before him. Now they're closing it down. That the <laughs> dick sucking factory is closed. They even closed the racism factory. What are we supposed to do in this town? So basically, the this isn't and this isn't just about um, uh, like like the the obvious things that spring to mind, like uh, restaurants or tourism or theater or no, whatever it's stuff that you can't do socially distanced. Well, it's for example, it's stuff like uh, people working in a factory, mm-hmm. for example, which we'll talk about a little more in detail later as an example. Yeah, um, the dick sucking factory. Yeah. So, uh, but effectively, it basically means that look. There is a cap. There is all of a sudden, there are caps on economic activity that there weren't before, and it doesn't mean that like other other forms of of, of activity will just sort of take their place, like um like the thing, you know. It is there are now limits. There are mm. hard limits that are more or less imposed by nature. That unless the coronavirus goes away, are going to be limits that we have to live with. And we what we all know is when. When capital cannot grow, uh, when it has, but when it has to grow, it turns to one. It, it turns to um, reducing the pay and living working conditions of the people that work yeah, for it's, it. It's it's like losing weight, right? You don't have any of the like excess calories that you need, so you start digesting bits of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you know, we I th- I've heard late capitalism defined before as the cannibal stage of capitalism, where it's where all of the things that at least performed a function, um, just and wearing also a bunch bad. of plaid suits at once, yeah. <laughs> uh, no longer even perform their original functions. It's just nothing. Hmm. Uh, but so the the Economist also says that the, that the ninety percent economy is a big step down from what came before the pandemic. It is more fragile 
So it is more um, apt to stop and break down. And when, let's say, shocks occur, it is, it's going, the losses are going to be bigger and harder to recover from. Mm. It will be less innovative, which is, I think, uh, again, uh, this is the economist being the economist. Mm. The economist loves the treat-based yeah, economy. It's, it's so it's innovative. innovative. Right yeah, it's innovative in the way that we have like talked about startups as being innovative. It will not supply oh, yeah. you with some weird shit to make fun of. Oh, this is very oh bad you news say you don't like the economy now, but what will you do when there's no Wi-Fi connected salt shaker? What, yeah. simply put salt on your dinner yourself using your arm like a fucking hog? This is this is a this is horrible news for us. This is like this puts this endangers a full third of our show of not being able to talk about a startup that like just decides, huh? What if you had like a pair of pants that were Wi-Fi enabled? Yeah, now I'm just thinking of a, of a like a trash future in one year's time, right? It's like I've got a startup, and then just immediately one of us goes, "Is do they make Soylent?" And he's like, "You get this every week." <laughs> uh, I, I think the startups are going to go from silly to evil uh, quite a bit more. Mm. And there was already anyway, some crossover, mm. uh, and, and uh, it will be more unfair. So, um, and they say a ninety percent economy is one that consistently fails to reach its potential. And we say, why talk about it? So they, they conclude about this 90% economy. They say the world economy that went to retreat in March as COVID-19 threatened lives was, was one that looked sound and strong. Yeah, we painted now, over all of this mold so it looked fine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, sound, sound and strong for whom? What has the coronavirus done that wasn't already there? You know, it's a yes. We were we recovering. Were we recovering jobs numbers? Sure, but all those jobs had figured out ways to pay less than minimum wage. Were the re like the fact is we had we were we like starting lots of companies? Yeah, maybe, but they were start those companies might have been started by like money loaned at zero percent interest that just didn't expect to succeed. Hmm. Uh, you know, is what was were we uh, were we getting lots of new products? Well, yeah, your boss was getting lots of new products to surveil you. But, you know, aside from an occasional iPhone firmware update, it, the, it wasn't performing very well for anyone because none of the problems that came out of 2008 were ever actually solved. And so what we're now beginning to look at is what does a world look like that has all the problems of post-2008 and then has absolute limits on growth? Because that's the key difference between 2008 and now. Is that 2008 was essentially a a speculative a, a crash in a commodity housing, uh, dr driven by wild speculation and financial innovation, and so that commodity crash wiped off a lot of value, but it didn't it didn't put a cap on productive potential. I which think means sorry, go ahead. The fundamental way you have to understand all of this is that at some point in Britain and America, the entire commentariat class got AirPods and they were like, no wires, cool, thank you, the future, this <laughs> yes. is awesome. I, I keep thinking about Chrissy Teigen's post about how her mom is just like throwing out AirPods like every week or so. And I just, yeah, yeah no, great, perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. King shit. Yeah, amazing. So, and the other thing, right, is that this doesn't just if we're looking at if hacking up the potential of the uh, the profitable potential of the economy off because the possibilities of what it, of what you can do with labor have been curtailed then you're also looking at many many businesses that don't exactly have wide margins becoming completely unviable 
and that has resulted in I've the had consoli- to lay off over forty flat-nosed geezers. <laughs> yeah. Every and time the Dave Carney voice gets more goblin-esque. Yeah. Well. Yeah, Dave. Dave Dave Courtney turns out that um like being like a sort of what fake gangster uh not a lot of profit in it. Yeah, the thing about Dave Courtney is he sounds like he's being strangled hundred percent of the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's no money in clumps anymore. I'm about to move back into fucking good hidings. Um, so what what shall we what shall we do first? Shall we talk about what the recovery what how to think about what the recovery is going to be or what can we expect? I think let's let's talk about let's talk about what we can expect from the actual future because it's very yeah. funny to me from like a foreign politics perspective that we've just like essentially just now done sanctions on ourselves. Um, oh yeah. We we've spent the last 50 years of international relations being like man we can just impose hard limits on other people's economies anytime we want this rules. Uh, and then just like us reaping we just yeah. suddenly find that there's this external force that like puts hard limits on our productivity and on our economy that we can't do anything about. And we're just like oh man this sucks. This fucking is this is fucking awful. <laughs> man, I'm I've been doing this to people. I belong in here. Yeah. <laughs> of the West. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we have we have our Ayatollah. So basically, um, so I, I I've put, I put down a few thoughts. I'm I'm happy to hear yours as well. I think look, those sectors of the economy that do survive, which is again most of it, the vast majority of it will survive. It will just be changed. Come on, well, Wimpy Burger Watney Market, hang in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So those those sectors of the economy that survive, those sort of those those fragments of capital. Um, they will survive by becoming more abusive and more exploitative because the lost productivity, that's certainly not coming out of capital's end. No, no, oh, no. 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 No, no, no. Or, or if it does, it will come out of bits of capital that are sort of tossed like sacrificial lambs to try to keep everything stable. Yeah. So, for example, yeah. Boris Johnson today is now blaming care home owners for the coronavirus problem in care homes. Sure. Why do they, why do they have owners? Who gave the owners? <laughs> well, look, if they just managed the coronavirus more responsibly, something that they were given no incentive to do, then we yeah. wouldn't have this problem. And if they didn't have the incentives to do to structure their businesses such that they would be vulnerable to this kind of thing by engaging in relentless cost cutting so that they can continue outsourcing work from cash strapped councils, then they never would have gotten into this situation. And just forget that we used to relentlessly praise the entire sector for being like that up until about two days ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You constantly think there's gonna be like a little bit at the end of the episode of the economy where like everyone learns a lesson, but like that part of the episode just never comes. <laughs> like the part where they go, see if you hadn't have done that, we never would have gotten into this mess. Okay, pa. Like, no, well, that, that bit never happens. They just do it again because our economy is fundamentally run like the mafia, right? Like, <laughs> the government is just Chris Moltisanti going like, now listen, the kick to Tony's going to come out of your rent. That's just the way it is when you're starting out. <laughs> well, I think also it's like, no, they do learn lessons. Like, for example, um, they learned that uh, it's no longer possible to engage in irresponsible debt financing through things called banks. So now we have to do mm. do it through something not called banks. Yes, and we're going to do it. Banks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we're going to and we're still going to do it because it still makes us rich, right? So they do mm. learn lessons. It's just the lesson the lesson is never learned, uh, say by the commentariat certainly, 
Um, Surely this huge structured financial instrument that relies on perfect profitability and basically obscures huge debt obligations can't destroy the economy a second time. (laughs) Surely the first time was just a freak accident. (laughs) So uh, uh, the example, right, of the uh, of of capital or fragments of capital, those that survive uh, basically almost in a Darwinian way, becoming more abusive and exploitative. You can look at uh, Boohoo. The fashion brand that is relentlessly promoted by Love Island. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, that's the other thing. Uh, the problem with Love Island, it's not that you know more people apply to it than apply to Oxbridge, which fucking of course they should. You know, no one should apply to Oxbridge. Everyone should apply to Love Island. The problem is that Love uh, Island is essentially. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I, I read I, classics at Love Island. <laughs> yeah, I was at. I, 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 I was at I was at Snogging College at Love yeah, Island. My, my degree is written on the side of a water bottle. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but right, but uh, it exi- basically exists as an hour-long commercial for Boohoo. Now, Boohoo is um, the world's uh, a company saddest that, clothing brand. <laughs> well, they're very happy. Clowns. <laughs> they're, they're very happy because they just unveiled a plan to pay all their executives 150 million pounds in bonuses like a couple weeks ago. Oh, so. good. I'm sure everything's going very well with their workers right now. Wait, wait. Oh, these sure. are the trash future accounts. Sorry, let me get back to the news. <laughs> uh, I'm sure everything's going fine with our workers. Yeah. Yes. You know, um, so basically, right, what they've done is they have taken advantage of uh, of their ability of, of their sort of market leader position to start snapping up all their all their competitors. So they bought Pretty Little Thing, they've bought Oasis, I believe they bought River Island as well, um, and they're they account for eighty percent, for example, of Lester's known uh, clothing production capacity. Lester being a major garment production hub of the country, mm. right? I was so really surprised is- by this to hear that they're making so much stuff in Leicester because so but uh, re- re- big reveal time my my family were all in all in the garment industry at one point and uh, it's turbo fucked if you want to learn about some really fucked up capitalism shit UK garment industry completely like most of these comp- all the high street shops are co- constantly on the verge of going broke and they basically pass it on to their suppliers who are even more on the verge of going broke but they all like basically make everything in China and Bangladesh because otherwise you can't afford to sell skirts in River Island for like four pounds or whatever the fuck. Or you, or you can if you use like you know effect, near slave labor in Leicester, mm. which is usually mm. um, you know like, like immigrants, especially undocumented immigrants. But you can't do that. That's illegal. Yeah. So essentially, Boohoo's. Um, they're uh, 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 <laughs> the exact yeah. same reaction in authority as you. You're just like, yeah, mm, mm. yeah. yeah. That's uh, why so Gisele Boohoo's- Maxwell can't be murdered. Yeah. <laughs> so Boohoo's um, uh, CEO, John Little, said, quote, during unprecedented and challenging times, the group has delivered very strong trading and operational performance. But wait a minute. All of the li- all of the margins of this business are very tiny. So, that's, of course, the most successful one gobbles up all the other ones. And the reason it's the most successful is because Boohoo is able to keep its costs very low by conducing factories in Leicester to compete against one another. Uh, this was said oh, by the market. Report. That's cool. That's yeah. usually so, good. But- so this is a, a problem of monopsony, where you're one buyer uh, of things. You're able to imp- input. You're able to basically lean on all of the people who are selling to you. So this is all from a report from Labor Behind the Label, which is a garment workers' rights group. Mm. Um, what happened in Leicester, by the way? I'm sure nothing bad. Uh, so essentially, uh, so just just the, the, finishing up this background, right? Uh, Boohoo is because they're such a huge buyer. Uh, they're able to to force prices down at factories, which means that factories 
when it comes time to say ask questions about do we do we get this contract from Boohoo or do we endanger the lives of many of our workers by giving by basically having a coronavirus party in this illegal secret factory uh they say well uh you said you're sick with coronavirus you've gotten a test and it's come back positive you still have to come in or you're fired by the way don't tell anyone because then they won't come in yeah just give everyone because if everyone gets coronavirus then they'll all have had it so then they yeah. can carry on making you know the little the little hats or whatever. absolutely the only way out is through and through getting a bunch of like river island skirts listen yeah. see we've just got a big order coming from the sky mall the mall in the sky now <laughs> <laughs> i need you so, all at work making these dervishes <laughs> yeah we need a cat serenity pod yeah. um right so essentially right what's happened is that the uh, they're able to pay they're able to pay people uh poverty like starvation wages below minimum wage uh they are able to um uh they're able they're, they're able to like put them in danger coming into coming into work with one another when it's known that they're sick and they're doing this uh because this is the company that survived mm. the company that survived was the most ruthless and it is now the one who is setting the rules in the Leicester clothing industry and and Lester, they're the ones having a local lockdown driven partly by outbreaks from factories. Uh, I, I think it was a meat processing plant that was one of the big ones, which is another mm. turbo fucked area. But you know, if you are in Lester and you're resentful of the fact that you can't go to the pub, this is why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's all like the fucking contagion of of capital here is what's driving this which is why yeah. it's so wild and you, you see this you see this pretty much everywhere like it, this is a trite observation for anyone is that like inequality and exploitation is the single biggest like causative factor of disease of almost any kind um so you know it, it we we love to learn nothing uh, we we love to like continue to like cram people into into illicit factories, and uh, we love to like as a result not be able to go to Weatherspoons. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing, right? This is the entire sectors of the economy becoming permanently unviable at their present scale means that if your profit margin is not wide, uh, let's just say for the sake of argument, you know, less than ten percent on average, less wide then, than Dave Courtney for sure. Then you're going to go out of business or you're going to figure out a way to make it wider by basically being a piece of shit or you're going to get bought by the one who's a piece of shit which means on the aggregate that it is going to be far worse to be a worker and we are and again we haven't solved the problems with like the gig economy and stuff we haven't solved those problems and Matt Hancock uh, is ba- again. He's been dispatched. Deployed. Spartan One One Seven. Matt has yeah, been Spartan, deployed. He's, he's in a pod, bursting through the atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Spartan or- One One Seven. Matt. Uh, we've we've launched an orbital rail, Matt. Uh, <laughs> and then on, on impact, he said, "Well, we'll certainly have to look into this." Matt uh, gear solid. <laughs> but again, don't have to look into it because uh, I I now direct your attention to a field like the in the Matrix of uh, reports about the abusive conditions in Lester garment factories, which we've been having expose after expose after expose since 2015, and it's only gotten more lethal. Hmm. Almost as if this kind of like uh, expose journalism doesn't fucking do anything. 
Yeah. Mm. Uh, and no, also just, just in, the gar- in the garment industry, again, like twas ever thus, because the garment industry has always functioned on companies constantly going broke. So they would get bought up by like the Arcadia group used to do this before Boohoo. It was like the same shit, like Philip Green's mob. Um, uh, one of, I think one of the most hated men in business. Hmm. That's saying something. Yeah. But the thing is, right, what I think is most interesting about this is that all, all of these businesses were already doing this anyway. It's just now it's at warp speed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everything, 20, 2020 is everything gets dumber and faster. Yeah. yeah. Every time they say the word B for some reason. Yeah. So, like, for example, so you basically what you're going to see is fewer businesses that are more exploitative. Uh, you're also going to see financial markets becoming increasingly disconnected from the performance of the underlying companies until there is a rude awakening uh, because we are still uh, in the grips of an unprecedented stock market rally. Um, hmm. I don't know why. Dow da- uh, 20,000, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Global, I, I've, global stocks have been rallying. It's a triple digit gain in terms of points. <laughs> Um, <laughs> because it's not connected to anything anymore. It doesn't yeah. mean like it never actually did, but like even the stuff that it purported to like relate to, uh, it, it just doesn't have anything to do with it's anymore. Just like they're just basically playing an expensive version of Football Manager at this point. Yeah, like, it's just a, well, it's just a big game. Yeah, I love I'll to take I, I love to take Ruzombarok from the bottom level of the Hungarian fucking uh, like uh, football league all the way to the Premiership. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you why this actually is happening is because there is the markets are making a bet that governments. Uh, realize that without companies, they have no other way to get money to people. So the only way that you can get money, which is essentially a claim on the labor of others, so an inducement on others to labor for your benefits, money is a commodity that represents that effectively, right? The only way for that to be transmitted around um, is through, uh, I, I think I mentioned this before, yeah, it's like, you no, know, we can't just allocate this, uh, Ryman has to allocate this. You know, uh, Boohoo has to allocate this. Uh, so the, the companies are basically betting that through sheer institutional inertia, they are they are required as distribution channels for money such that they don't have to do anything. And they know that most of their costs, so that's um, uh, uh, employing employees mainly, are going to be backstopped uh, by one of the two kinds of entities that can legally print money. Which is, of course, governments and then Greensill. Uh, <laughs> two genders. Yeah, it's governments and Greensill. Yeah. So, but it's Apparently not that financial is trying to go trans Greensill. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that financial markets are are disconnected from company longevity. It's that financial markets are disconnected from the performance of tasks, other than just kind of sitting there and distributing money. Mm. Uh, again, until there is a rude awakening. Cool. Uh, also. Uh, on the other hand, I think we'll see increasingly uh, political theater taking the place of any substantive action on anything. Uh, so, you know, more boats will be spinning. Uh, more and more people will... Um, Sp- spinning yeah. boat. First we had the spinning Jenny and now we have spinning boats. <laughs> yeah, that's in a society. That, that, literally, if there was to be one thesis of this podcast, it is the completion of the spinning Jenny led to the necessity of the spinning boat in the Thames <laughs> through yeah. some kind of great butterfly effect. Uh, but okay, the so, Boris Johnson clap for the bankers thing. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Has anyone so done is, that? Is there like a bridge end secret service guy who's clapped for the bankers? Fully, 
fully. I've Someone been doing has that. clapped. Yeah, of course. Yeah, All of us I have did. been doing that. I've been making my ass clap it. for the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get the surgery so I can make this pussy clap for the bankers. Yeah. <laughs> Please hurry it up. Uh, yeah, so it's nothing more than a squelch. The bankers aren't going to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to create any more wealth. Uh, you know, so this is basically, if you want an example of that, look no further than Boris's phony New Deal, um, where he's taking what is essentially a normal year's discretionary spending for a conservative party that has formally, uh, if not substantively, severed its relationship with austerity, um, and then rebranding it as the New Deal. Because effectively, if, we, if we've learned anything... It's we that- have not. <laughs> Wait, if we've learned anything, and I we'll can see. assure you we have not... Um, is that it, it, it's that essentially if, if government by PR is all about making sure that you never do anything substantive because PR, I think increasingly is something we have to understand as unproductive guard labor. It's there as a sort of obscurationist tactic to, uh, to underscore that um, whatever is hap- whatever is actually happening uh, that you're experiencing or whatever, uh, this poverty that you're experiencing, whatever, you're not actually experiencing it. It's essentially a, a PR move to sort of forestall the need for physical guarding of things with conceptually guarding things. Hmm. Um, so the fact is, Boris Johnson is spending five billion pounds on doing things like repairing some bridges in Sandwell, which is all well and good. I mean, those bridges did need to be fixed, but hmm. he's doing it in such a way and they can called- be sold. <laughs> well, he's doing it through a project almost, Milo. He's doing it through something called Project Speed, which oh, when you're doing Christ. gigantic. Which is when you're undertaking a bunch of infrastructure projects is absolutely what you wanted to call it. Yeah, when you're just when uh, you're just like fucking hyped on amphetamines repairing bridges, we're <laughs> <laughs> just gonna be what, fucking sick. <laughs> when you desperately want to be on an episode of Well, there's your problem. Mm. Um, yeah. So essentially, yeah, we are we are uh, we are essentially not investing very much money, but investing it very very fast in completing whatever projects we'd already planned on doing. And then most of the other projects are going to be undertaken uh, by, with a relaxation of planning rules. I'm so, so um, excited for High Speed 2 to suddenly go 7,000 miles an hour. <laughs> and instead of the planned route, it's just going to go directly through someone's house. We're not going to do eminent domain. We don't have time for that shit <laughs> anymore. Mount. No, you, you just like, you just fucking get the reg. You're just having a normal day. And then you're just like in your living room having a nice time. And then you just hear. <laughs> <laughs> a 7,000 mile an hour train just blasts through, atomizes fucking everything. Yeah. The, new, the new North FC high speed maglev train that travels at 3,000 miles an hour, and on the side it just says, Love trains, 80 environment, simple as. Yeah. It's gonna and, be going. We're going back to coal somehow. Yeah. Just one guy okay. having to shovel really quickly. A yeah, maglev diesel gonna... train with slamming doors for some reason. <laughs> that is that is absolutely something that Britain would invent. Yes, <laughs> blue labor. Uh, that is. Um, that's also right. Like train has a big flat know. cap on the front. Sorry. <laughs> what the fuck are we gonna do? Design it in roller coaster tycoon? Like what the mm. fuck? Um, I yeah, love so- to. I love to get on the train to Birmingham, and it's the like the fucking death roller coaster, the one that just like generates enough g forces that it kills you at the end, and I just arrive like in an half an hour but with like a totally snapped neck 
<laughs> Look, you're there, but you know, I'm sorry that you've had to die. Um, but okay, so the other thing about this, right, is they're also expanding permitted development rules, which means that all of those people who are working in like slave conditions in Leicester now uh, get to live 18 to like a single cupboard because that's now allowed to be a house. Houses yeah. are like, luxury, yeah. luxury. We lived in all in roads. We dreamed of cupboards. <laughs> well, like also, also, this is like a, just a gift to say uh, Richard Desmond, just texting Robert Jenrick. Hey, do you mind if I like cram fifteen people into this room and then like uh, allegedly illegally weigh on you to approve this? And yeah. Robert Jenrick's just like, well, I certainly can't talk to you about this. However, I will approve it. Mm. Yeah, Matt also, Hancock's sitting in a cupboard at tiny tables and chairs, and he's like, oh, it's just like the jockey club. There's no conspiracy. It's too stupid to be a conspiracy. Like texting Robert Jenrick to offer him like such paltry things. Like, oh hi Rob, would you like I've got some of these unused McDonald's Monopoly vouchers <laughs> if you're willing to approve this one billion pound development. You can get ten percent off any breakfast sandwich. <laughs> now yeah. they do expire tomorrow, so you do need to approve it now. <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> oh, well I guess these <laughs> this free breakfast. A sub will have to go to waste. What a terrible, <laughs> what a terrible shame. Looks delicious. Yeah. So political theater taking the place of substantive action. That's what we're going to have because the substantive action is all going to be on the part of capital working out ways that it can make up that lost growth. Mm. So the substantive like action. Green yeah. Well, the, so the substantive action is Boris actually saying we're going to slash regulation so that. That, so that the initiative can be taken by cap by commercial real estate developers to turn like you know all these gleaming office towers into slums. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that that is that is the substantive action. It's that substantive action is still happening. It's just the substantive action is is pr is basically making sh is finding ways to squeeze people more. Yeah, That's just look, look to look to uh, any any sanctioned economy. For like a vision of what's going to be along next. Yeah, I think um, that's I think that's about right. Right, is that is that if is that because in sanctioned economies, uh, corruption is more is more uh, uh, replete. Mm -hmm. Right, um, abuse of abuse of workers and abuse of power is more common. Like all, sanctions, basically just compound existing problems. And we are a country that had many existing problems, which are being compounded by sanctions. Mm. Yeah, we just fucking sanctioned ourselves by accident. Yeah. I look forward so, to when the average job is you just get placed in a special bag and lowered into the juice arrow. <laughs> <laughs> your remaining content squeezed out of you into a glass. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, here's, another, here's another thing. Uh, less innovative, the economist said. Nick, no, innovation is still happening. It's just dedicated to maintaining order rather innovation. than yeah, rather hmm. than fulfilling people's needs. Yeah, right? shot colors. The word no, innovation, the word innovation, when it's used by the economist, tends it tends to be used with positive connotations. Like, oh, this is innovative. That is to say, it is it is meeting a an unmet need in either a better way than has been met before, or it's it's meeting it differently, uh, or it is meeting it at all. You know, that's what they think of as innovation. It's just they imagine unmet needs as the unmet needs of of uh, consumers en masse, yeah, there's rather never been than a the bad need. Yeah rather than the unmet needs of capital to once again continue being a piece of shit. So, as an example, again, this isn't necessarily something that came from coronavirus. This is just the kind of innovation that I believe is going to be encouraged. 
Mm. Uh, this was posted in our Discord uh, by some of our uh, helpful fans. BMW is now going all in on car microtransactions. Oh, I saw this. You're getting horse yeah. armor DLC for your 3 Series. It rules. Oh, that's, yeah. that's really sick. Would you like to go faster? You actually have to download the expansion pack. Actually, uh, Milo, you're not far wrong. No. Uh, oh, fuck. Heated, heated seats was the example that they yeah. used. Well, how so do you Tesla, download it? You wouldn't download a heated seat. Well, I think it's that they, they have the functionality, right? But like, in order to enable it, you just have to like get a subscription. So, like, yeah. if you want, you could just have heated seats the three cold months of the year, and then the rest what of the, the time fuck? you don't have to pay for it. So ah, it's very convenient. Ah, why is this economy so obsessed <laughs> with making us rent freeze. everything? It's so <laughs> annoying. Like, do you remember back when like everyone used to buy everything, and then they would be like, "Oh, if you want, you could rent this." And people, who, at least people who weren't like completely marginalized to the point where they could only afford to rent it would be like, no, I think I'll buy it because renting it is obviously stupid. But now they're like, what if we just don't let them buy it? Like, what if what if all software you could only rent? And everyone's like, no, fuck you. We wanted to buy it. And they're like, too late now because we control the only software that does the thing you need. <laughs> uh, and we're talking into it now. Hmm. Um, right. So the so Tesla actually would uh, computer limit the battery capacity of the Model 3s that they would ship, and then you'd have to subscribe to premium batteries to get the batteries <laughs> It's the battery that says plus. Yeah, you have to subscribe to the Patreon battery for the Balthazar Speedboat batteries. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to Tesla bonus. <laughs> right, but the other thing, right, is that um, Boohoo's uh, basically position relative to the garment manufacturers of Leicester and the garment manufacturers of Leicester's willingness to take a considerable risk, I guess, in just, you know, subjecting a lot of uh, undocumented workers to fully illegal working conditions. Now, is it a big risk? No, because you're probably nothing, nothing bad's going to happen because of the, you know, the government has chosen to look the other way on this almost as a matter of mm. policy. But still, it's not not a risk. So it's this is it, it is this is innovation in working conditions this is risk taking it's just things like the economist never see that as innovation or risk taking because it's not good because mm. it's bad mm. um so i again i disagree with the economist's take that right the that um the 90 percent economy is going to be more fragile less innovative and more unfair it's like yes it will be more fragile and more unfair but those things were already there uh mm. and it will be more innovative in ways that will make it also more fragile yeah, the, the, and more the blitz, the blitz economy was a lot more innovative in finding bits of meat that fell off of the back of trucks. And this is yeah. what we're going to see uh, again. So I, I, I love to like invest in spivs, basically. Mm. And here's, yeah. the, here's the final sort of what can we expect thing, uh, which is uh, graft will keep accelerating. Uh, Alice, you mentioned that under a sanctioned economy, yeah, it's, corruption gets much more replete. Mm. So yeah, I have a couple of examples. Um, Oddly enough, from um, uh, Kimono, Fox Murderer, end of a Coen Brothers movie, uh, Jolien Ma. Well, he's, he, he has also. the Jeet Hair disease, where he like occasionally says something that's entirely accurate. Yeah. So he's uh, his, his, one of his projects has been tracking. Um, it was good because I, I really didn't want to go into the. I basically was like, all right, well, before this episode, I'm going to find some dodgy contracts in the Europa Contracts database. By the way, you can just find these. They're all published online. They're just all there. I was like, all right, I'll find some of the dodgy contracts. Oh, Jolly and Mom already did that. Cool. Um, so 108 million uh, pounds were the public contracts of taxpayer money, your money, uh, if you live in the UK. Uh, uh, for a PPE, we're you know, given to Tory friends and donors who own companies that make, uh, in one case, chocolate, 
another case, pigeon netting. A chocolate face mask. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? It's delicious. Like, that, it, it, it's innovative. Yeah. yeah. It's like that you, you buy with chocolate coins. Oh, um, no, the chocolate economy. Oh, don't, don't <laughs> cough on me. My mouth is chocolate. We, we, gave, we gave 108 million quid to Uta. Yeah. Oh, a big chocolate. Joy choice, oh, meet Iudin. Oh, might as well. I got the downloadable you... content for my BMW to make it chocolate. <laughs> Take a bite out of the steering wheel. I got hungry. You literally <laughs> almost, you might as well. Just say there's a hundred and eight million pound prize for the one of these ten members of the public that we've selected for a reality show as to who can develop a better glove and mass produce it. Mm. You might as well say that. Uh, and also two hundred and fifty million some hand shoe because they're shoes for the hand. Also <laughs> a, qu- a quarter billion of taxpayer money again. So a quarter billion. The New Deal, the proposed New Deal to save the country is five billion. This is a quarter awesome. billion of taxpayer money. Um, went to the Ianda family office, based, which is a wealth well, that management sounds company. Good. That sounds I'll like someone who a, calls Mo Sislak. So I'll, I'll explain what the, what a family office is. Basically, uh, for those of you who don't know, a family office is a kind of asset manager. So it's an asset management firm. They're usually not very big. They'll usually employ two to five people, depending, although in some cases mm. more. Uh, that manages the wealth of one family. Aren't they usually like disgra- these days disgraced hedge funds that lost their hedge fund license and had to become a family office? Isn't that like a whole yep. grift? That's a very, very frequently, yeah. Or it'll be um, like a like a former uh, banker from like a bulge bracket bank will um, just have a couple of a, of high net worth individuals or ultra high net worth individuals that they know, and then just say, look. Of like showing up like a sort of dodgy contractor on your door, like yeah, I'll manage your money for you for like Wasn't slightly this, less. Big not, not to just do the giant eye emoji, but this was also Epstein's grift, uh, sort of. But he wasn't a family office because he had lots and lots of different. So he was weird. He was like a, he was a small asset manager. A family office tends to be multiple people working for one. Family. I see. Okay. Listen, if you if you got money that needs looking after, I've got a lock up garage with four fucking massive geezers to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be completely safe. We'll uh, we'll yeah, plow so, some of it into fucking uh, you know air dryers and stuff. It'll be all right. <laughs> so another quarter billion was spent on masks, but from Ianda Family Office, based in a tax haven and managed by one of Liz Truss's senior advisors. Apparently, cool, cool, yeah. Well, you know what? So, uh, Britain imports 60% of its masks. That is a disgrace. <laughs> Listen, Liz, yeah. Liz Truss is having a busy week of trying to roll back trans rights almost single-handedly. Mm. Uh, she can't keep track of every 250 million quid. Or every, export, or every arms export license no, she issues exactly, illegally. Exactly. Look, yeah. when, when, you're, when you're stationing yourself outside all of the bathrooms, at Westfield to make sure that like the people who go in match their assigned gender at birth. You don't have time to be watching money go in and out of tra- like funds. Maybe yeah. we should just so- start market being trans as kind of DLC for your body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what if my dick was chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So essentially, right. This is the the, the coronavirus public response driven as it was by essentially infinite public money which is one of the which is one of the main drivers of what's going on now right mm. it's infinite public money for everyone but you um 
It's infinite public money that can be given to you by your employer. It's infinite public money for anyone who has a business and is like friends with a Tory spad who can just apply to be a sole source provider for like 250 million pounds worth of masks. It's a bonanza for them because infinite public money is distorting all the incentives from on, on, on the buy side, much like uh, a zero interest rate distorted all the incentives on the other side. So we have hmm. two massive incentive distorters uh, working together to really keep the to keep society more or less vertical. Once again, the most the most prescient work of art for 2020 was 100 Gex Money Machine. <laughs> yeah. I, for the Can 20th I just say century, every time I call someone, <laughs> 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 Can I just say every time I call someone a Tory spad, I really feel like I'm getting away with something. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like a slur, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. The best kind I of fucking spad. Right. So anyway, the, the underlying the underlying forces of infinite public money uh, in order to maintain uh, institutions that otherwise all would fail at once and uh, zero interest rate finance companies uh, that are uh, essentially unable to do unable to continue growing, but also unable to stop trying to grow. Uh, mm. effectively mean though those forces clashing together uh, are going to be the things that shape uh the future of of, of the when i say the economy like everything that oh. is going to be the two forces that are structuring what most people are going to experience are those two uh and that's very true that's true here uh in the states there is more fragmentation and less willingness um you're going to be more enthralled to Basileus Gavin Newsom, whereas here, like that kind of localism, unless it, offer offer may not apply for viewers in Scotland, right? We, yeah. We'll see about that, but we don't yeah. know. Well, it's it's a combination of look of fragmentation at multiple levels, uh, and also a lack of political will to largely just put an infinite amount of public money into maintaining the into maintaining more or less things as they are, mm -hmm. right? Mm. Uh, so the, uh, America, I think, is continuing um, on largely the path that we uh, and Patrick Wyman talked about. Yeah, we we can't uh, spend this uh, this infinity amount of money on making things the same. We can only spend it to make things worse. Yeah, yeah. and so in Britain, things are going to get worse, but more. You know, it's going to get worse and faster, but it's also going to be thrown around in a lot of strange directions as these two forces rub up against one another. Um, and so here's, I also want to talk a little bit about the recovery itself, the recovery by the numbers. So that's recovery of jobs and recovery of GDP percentages. Oh yeah, that and thing that's that definitely happening. Well, it is going to happen. And this is weird because it's going to happen, but it's, again, it's going to be weird. It's going to be different. So um, basically, like, let's just say uh, first premise here. Yeah, there is popular opposition to dying of coronavirus. It's certainly not universal. Um, <laughs> Most it, people, when asked if they want to die, <laughs> say, no, I wouldn't like that, I don't think. And others are telegraph readers. Anyway, um, so popular opposition to dying of coronavirus, yes, is putting the brakes on growth and governments, especially in the UK and the US, have to decide how much mass death is acceptable to buy certain amounts of more economic activity. The example of which for that, of course, is the Lester Garment Factories, where we decide that, yes, it is acceptable to have like, I don't know, go, let's go back to like Victorian levels of worker fatality, because that's what we need in order to turn a profit in this extremely tight industry, because Boohoo decided, what if dresses cost 50p? Hmm. Um, anyway, so the question is, is tends to be that the, 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 
the the lever they can push and pull is how much mass death are we going to tacitly or overtly accept? So, you know, that's also that can be wrapped up in the popular duty to go to the pub and give yourself GERD by <laughs> eating four different Weatherspoons breakfast to win a culture war battle, um, which is which is great. Yeah, I yeah, know, that's fantastic. Deeply Howie from Uncut Gems voice. This is how I win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, you also like let's like it. Let's take the previous recession, 2008, as uh, if not our perfect model as our example, um, the the snapback of GDP growth and employment returning to normal, it actually happened pretty fast. You know, yeah. Wages certainly didn't return to normal, but by the numbers of jobs, based on how they're counted, which is fudged, and GDP, like GDP per capita by 2010 was above 2008. The snapback right? of GDP growth is actually the Dow hat. Um, <laughs> uh, right. what, what i'll what i'll say to this actually is i was at a i was at a friend of friend of the show's house the other day i won't say who and uh and i was saying because he was his dad was talking to us about like what it was going to be like going back after this and i was like well you know what to an extent i was like for mine and said friend's entire working life like this stuff has been completely shit so like we don't even really care like the economy's been fucked forever and he's like that's not true the economy's been in constant growth since 2009 i'm like yeah, but not in a way that's actually been good for anyone. Like everything in any material way has been completely fucked if you're not one of like a hundred people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's and so like GDP might snap back pretty quickly, but the important transformations, the, the transformations that created the world we are in today have not been about GDP at all. They were about the transformations um, in who works, how much it pays, who owns things, and how what those companies are doing. How many people you can cram into a workers' barracks. Yeah, uh, and yeah. so think about, think less about GDP, which is, this is why we say line go stop. This is the core of the line go stop theory, is that the last scrap of usefulness from looking at things like GDP or employment numbers has been ripped away by mm -hmm. the realities of the what is what the economist calls the 90% economy. We'll think of something better for it, but that's what we have for it for now. Um, so nine you know, tenths economy, <laughs> exactly. Uh, ah, that that much the much more edgy name. Mm. Uh, but right, so remember the McDonald's terminals were a response to uh, the recession. The the, the mass the mass automation outsourcing or casualization of low paid work was a response to the recession that never got fixed, and now it's going to happen again. Which means more people are going to be forced into that first position, and the people in that first position are going to be forced into even worse positions. Because remember, who's hiring is Amazon. They're cool. hiring. Cool. Uh, Boohoo hiring. Uh, the factory, the factories that make Boohoo's clothes. Boohoo's growing faster than ever. They're hiring. Uh, I'm really, I'm really upset that now the evil company we have to deal with is called Boohoo. <laughs> <laughs> everything just gets it gets more A stupid every much. time. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, like where where was a lot of the growth coming from after 2009? Well, a lot of the, the growth was emailer. driven. Yeah, a lot of the growth was driven by the Amstrad emailer phone and its descendants in like SoftBank hmm. or whatever. It was uh, these giant loss-making unicorns that were essentially trying to become monopolies. Again, that tendency hasn't gone anywhere, but it means that again, as companies consolidate, as as more and more of them are made un unviable by tightening margins and a capped eco amount of economic growth, it's there's going to be more mega companies, essentially like Zaibatsu's. We're in the cyberpunk world now. Um, but like no one's got cool glasses.
Damn. Uh, and so there's it's so like speak for yourself, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and, and, and the non banks that all came from 2008, uh, they arrived in 2020. And the other thing we can't forget is that all of the practices from 2008 are still happening. They're just happening in lenders to companies. So in the issuers and buyers of corporate debt, which is largely unregulated. So that's still happening. And that, that's another bubble that's going to burst. And it was over 100 degrees in Siberia. Okay. Uh, so mm. put all of that together. <laughs> yes, we conduct a very successful experiment. <laughs> <laughs> we we yes, make we world's move. first radioactive wolf. He's also gay. <laughs> we have, we have, we have, we have moved Love Island to Siberia, where they will be promoting gulag-made clothes. Fuck yes, Love Island on the shores of Lake Baikal. Just like <laughs> people, people being deeply confused in Irkutsk, just going around going like, "Yeah, all right, babe," and they're like, "Do you do I not meet yet radioactive wolf?" <laughs> right, so you will be sorry with your water bottle when you are face to face. We who will fuck then? When you see radioactive gay wolf, you will not fuck. You will only be fucked. Radioactive gay wolf will stop for no influencer of some kind. What is this? You make money from Kontakte or Adnoklasniki? I'm not sure what these websites are. No, radioactive wolf does not care for this. He cares only for the supremacy of the Slavic race. So, um, he's a radioactive racist wolf. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fascist wolf. He's also <laughs> gay. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's so it's uh, identity politics. It's yeah. inclusion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, the example from Australia is that it's looking like because they had no, a I'm sorry, you, you, you can't, Yeah, you can't do. You can't go into a real world example when you've just presented us with the radioactive gay fascist volk. <laughs> like the Yadarni volk. All right, you, you got you got you got any more stuff about the wolf, or can I go back to talking about? No, economics? no, we have no. We're ending it on the gay wolf. <laughs> uh, no, we are going back to talking about economics. Sorry. God damn it! I hate <laughs> so, this fucking family. <laughs> I didn't ask to be born. Uh, so look, the example from Australia is because they they had a less severe coronavirus uh, outbreak than us. They're now looking at what their recovery is because it's sort of happening. And it's looking as though the economy is going to re- recover, but wages and jobs will not. Huh. As if huh. those two things didn't have anything to do with each other anymore. <laughs> I've been quoted yeah. as saying, Crocky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good morning, yeah. economy. Oh. A- another episode where we do impressions of the Bunta Vista I would, say, I would say good morning, Theo, but we've had to lay him off. <laughs> oh, please don't lay off Theo. Um, right, so uh, it quoted um, uh, Australia, they sort of a, a, a uh, an analyst in Australia was quoted as saying that a recession may actually already have passed its worst. However, um, that the unemployment average will stay at like you know uh, will stay higher. That uh, wage growth is going to lag inflation until like later in the decade, uh, with full time employment to be overtaken largely by part time jobs, also for several years. So good, fine, GDP, normal GDP, mm-hmm. GDP, GDP per capita, even is going to grow and it's not and it will probably come back you know it, it, again it won't grow that much but it will come back to growth because we essentially ha- are realizing that if we want it to keep growing things are going to have to get more victorian mm. damn well, we're going to have to start riding around on penny farthings in stovepipe yeah. hats that's exactly right <laughs> i say uh, i work i work 40 hours a week at 40 different jobs it's <laughs> absolutely <laughs> top hole if only so I could it, cycle away faster from this radioactive wolves. 
look, it's it seems like so, something is taking shape that is not it's not necessarily neoliberalism because competition and markets are no like neoliberalism was no great lover of competition and markets, right? Um, it would I love uh, yeah, it loved well, it loved soul sourcing thing. It loved creating mm. monopolies effectively, especially in the UK. It was important that um, they were private monopolies. Yeah, right. So, but I think we're we're seeing something now where the flows of money are becoming increasingly disconnected from any kind of economic activity at all, um, and the underlying performance of the economy is becoming largely epiphenomenal versus uh, what's actually going on. I don't know what to call it yet, and I think it is premature to start issuing sort of, you know, uh, high-minded pronouncements. I, I would simply call it a future of trash. Yes, Buzzing I would. Yeah, we could, call, we could call it that. But it is, it is something that I, I believe is going to be, as these concepts get defined, substantially dissimilar from neoliberalism as we have known it, and considerably worse. Hmm. Sorry, sorry, everyone. Cool. That's good. Uh, well, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to go back to remember earlier about an hour and ten minutes ago where we were talking about like you Labor Party watching YouTube videos. Yeah, that was uh, cool. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. what that's what they're that's what they're doing. Uh, anyway, so yeah, anyway, buy a shirt. <laughs> they're, made in, they're made in a garment factory in Leicester under completely safe conditions. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Uh, I don't know, buy a shirt, I guess. One pound fifty each. I am afraid. I'm afraid now we must end the episode of podcast because Radioactive Wolf is loose. No! Get back! Hand me, Sergey, hand me the cattle prod! Fuck it. Yeah, you, you you know what it is about the Patreon. So you subscribe to that. Uh, yeah, the next, the next T-shirt is going to be. Uh, we're just going to commission Matt again, and we're just going to tell them radioactive gay Nazi wolf. I mean, <laughs> just that's the brief. No, it wouldn't actually be a Nazi because it believes in the supremacy of the Slavic race, which to oh, be fair, see, oh, the Nazis fine. hated the Slavic race. Yeah. That's so true. A, a different kind, a like new a different kind of like Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Or like right. a Cossack wolf. Yeah. So mm. anyway, look, this is, uh, so it, let's, let's go back to that. Um, no, that, that, let's, that. let's not go back. No, let's, let's wrap up. No, yeah. Let's not go back. We're not going back. No one can go back. Uh, thank you once again for listening. Uh, I hope you're doing okay. Um, <laughs> I'm and- sorry we've made your day appreciably worse yet again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck it. We gotta, uh, we, we gotta watch a movie or something soon. Yeah, yeah. We gotta wheel uh, in the big VHS. <laughs> Someone have- a fan the other day recommended me a, a weird movie from the 70s that has meatloaf in it, so I feel like... Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's do that. Uh, all right, yeah. Buy a shirt. Subscribe to Patreon. Bail fund link in the description. Yeah. Uh, our theme song is "Here We Go" by Ginseng. You can find it on Spotify. Uh, which I don't know. Maybe you're gonna rent your house from them at some point someday. Mm. Who the fuck can say? No, uh, listen no, to no, it Sarge, early. Get back. He's fully erect. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm ending this now. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>